There's the big kicker. <laughs> <laughs> to avoid complications. <laughs> <laughs> I reckon we just start this and start again. Hi everybody, welcome to the third episode of the Massive Attack Podcast. My name's Joe and with me again tonight is Mitch. Hello. And today we're going to be attacking comics and we're going to be looking at two of our favourites, Chew and Day Tripper. Well I guess I never knew I bit off more than I could chew. When you me the... So the first comic we're going to talk about today is Chew. Mitch, why don't you give us a bit of a rundown of what Chew's all about? As per the description off the internet, here is the what we get from Chu. Tony Chu is a cop with a secret, a weird secret. Tony Chu is a sebopathic, which means he gets a psychic impression from whatever he eats. It also means he's one hell of a detective, as long as he doesn't mind nibbling on a corpse of a murder victim to figure out who'd done it. And why? It's a dirty job. And Tony has to eat terrible things in the name of justice. And if that wasn't bad enough, the government has figured out Tony Chu's secret. They have plans for him, whether he likes it or not. Well, that's, that's a pretty accurate synopsis of what Chu is. It doesn't tell you enough, but it's enough to sort of say that, well, that's the concept behind it, but there's there's so much more to this book. It's it's pretty damn awesome, I must yeah. say. Well, it's it's written by John Lehman. Yes. And drawn by Rob Gullery. Gillery? Gillery, Gullery. Please, if you're listening, Rob, come <laughs> in and um, correct us and tell us how, how to pronounce your last name. Yeah. And I guess for someone like you that's a bit of a superhero comic fan, it's yeah. something quite different. It is. I mean, it's published by Image Books. Now, little comics history for people who may not know, and I'm sorry if you do. Image Comics is probably the fourth biggest comic book company out there. I could be wrong on that, but you've got Marvel and DC, which are the big two, which are your Spider-Mans, your Captain Americas and all those, and Superman, Batman. Then you've got Dark Horse Comics, which probably most famous for Sin City or um, the Star Wars franchise and Hellboy and things like that. And then you've got Image. And in the 90s, when all art was king and all the artists were selling comics in the almost millions, they basically felt they were getting a rough deal on what they were creating and actually what they were earning. So they went off and started their own company called Image, which produced essentially clones of what they were doing at Marvel. I mean, it looked like X-Men. Every second book looked like X-Men. They weren't the best businessmen. I mean, they were in business, they made a lot of money, but they sort of couldn't do both, be creators and be businessmen. But over the last 15, 20 years... It is. It set itself up as a pretty amazing company, and they've actually gone through some very good talent who have moved on to the big two companies and done their own stuff um, for Image. Now, what Image was originally, it was like the, the original five artists, and they hired a lot of people to draw exactly like them because that's what people wanted at the time. Yeah. But in the last ten years or so, it's become a very cool indie, credible avenue for some really really interesting comics, yeah. like really good stuff. And this is one of them. So, I mean, Walking Dead, which is now a big TV show and probably the biggest selling trade paper of comics at the moment, comes from the same company, coming from, Image. Come in yeah. from Image. And the guy, Rob Kirkman, who actually writes Walking Dead, he actually did a manifesto once talking about creators don't work for the big companies, don't do Spider-Man or Superman or anything like that. Make your own stuff, foster your own way. And this comic, too, is actually one of those, the product of that. Rob Lehman heard that and said, oh, fuck it, why not? And he created Chew, which is this crazy idea, which never would be published by any of the other. I mean, Dark Horse probably could if he sold it to him, but Image did himself, and yeah, it's a really good book. 
Robert Koopman CEO of Image, though, isn't he? He is now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Wasn't at the time. Uh, when he said it, it might have been might have been in that same period. When okay. he was appointed CEO, he became he might have done that spiel trying to get people in because the way Image works as a comic company as well is you could almost go there now with a really shitty book and if you're willing to pay the money to get it printed they will publish it for you yeah. in a way so yeah. you do have support from them and everything like that you you can see the money coming back at you I mean that that was the one thing they set up was if you create something you deserve the money from it yeah. so um, they're giving you an avenue if you believe in yourself enough to put this book out and you're willing to put the money in and do it then you will reap the rewards if it's success well and I guess Image is probably pretty happy with Chew because it's sold lots, lots. so I think um, from what they were saying the first issue had four reprints and sold out of all of them, yes. Um, they even did a black and white reprint of the uh, the first issue that, for some reason, is worth quite a lot of money on eBay. I don't really probably limited why. Yeah, black old. I guess. Yeah, rarity of it. But it is the baby of John Layman and, and Rob Rob Gilroy. He does the writing and the lettering himself, and Rob does the colouring and the art. It's very much an indie book. The, the art style. It's not like it's hard to describe his art yeah. style. Like it's not manga influenced. It's not generic. Influence. It's it's cartoony, I suppose. It's exaggerated. Yeah, that but, yeah. It's, it's cartoony and exaggerated is probably a very good way to, to put it. It's not realistic by any stretch, but no. it's very expression. It's got it's got a lot of expression, to it. and yeah. it's perfect perfect style for the script. Like exactly. it's, it's light and gruesome at the same time, and it's very much like the script. Like the the plot is quite gross in a lot of ways, but it is fun. Like it's it's sick humor in a lot of lo- there's a lot of humor in the book. Yeah, not quite horror, but there's um, some gross out moments. Well, and things a, like that. a lot of places listed as a horror comic, but conceptually, I suppose yeah, it would be I, horror. Yeah. Now, before we go any, any further, I guess we probably should mention that there is going to be some spoilers. And if you haven't read Chew and you're probably interested, maybe go out and pick up the trades, have a bit of a read. The trades are reasonably priced. They're around the in Australia, they're around the twenty-one, twenty-three dollar mark, if not cheaper, depending on how good the dollar is at the time. Yeah. It definitely is available from the if you've got an iPad or any of those sort of devices, the Image app. You can get it through that or any of the Comicsology sort of places. So it's not hard to get. Yeah. So and, if you really want it, and track it has it, down. it has been around for a while. I think 2010, 2009 might have been when the first issue came out. Probably closer to nine. Yeah, yeah. we're we're now up to the fourth trade, and I think they're pretty close to about uh, issue twenty seven. I think is the latest. latest. But, yeah, um, yeah we're not going to go too much into reviewing. I guess of the latest ones, we're we're just going to I guess give just our, sort of. I suppose we the idea of this is we'd like to share this with other people. They should read it, so we'll give you enough without ruining it. But we. Hopefully, we'll give you enough to intrigue you into looking exactly. into it. So. Yeah, it's 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 a crazy book. It's fun. Like the the plot synopsis I just read. He is a man who, if he bites on something or if he eats anything, he gets the memory of that. So if he goes up to a murder victim, which is what he does as a detective for the police force, he'll have a little nibble and he can figure out who did it. But that's cool. But on top of that, everything he eats, he gets the history of. Even vegetables, according to this book, Except have a history. Except beets. That's the one thing he can eat, which is frees him of actually feeling the pain. Like even yeah. carrots, when you rip them out of the ground, feels pain and he feels that pain. So there is a downside to his... Ability? Ability, yeah. yes, yes, yes. It's an interesting concept and it's dealt with early and then you just move on from the comic. And not it's it's based on him having that ability, but there is so much more yeah. than that. I mean, he's an Asian character. That's why his last name is Chu, C-H-U, but the book is called C-H-E-W, Chu, because obviously... Play on words. The play with the food. But he's not the only one in the book. The writer... Layman keeps introducing new food or eating based powers which yeah. is quite I, I guess a lot of fun 
The main story arc of the first trade is that bird flu was hit hard and they've outlawed chicken. And basically Tony's brought in to be a, a, an agent in the FDA to try and find people that are selling black market chicken. And this is pretty much an ongoing premise through the through the whole no, it's his job. The, the four trades. But there is also, I guess, side stories as well that kind of self-contained in, in each trade. Yeah, I mean, it's very well written anyway. Yeah. But he's also writing them nicely for the trade. Like, the story is ongoing. It is a serial. But they read nicely in their six-issue collections. So we've got the Cebopath, and here's a description of what a Cebopath is. This is which is Tony Chu, and a couple of other characters you find out through the series are also Cebopaths. A Cebopath can take a bite from anything and get a psychic sensation of what has happened to that object. Another ability introduced in the book is a Sabo Scrivener. Yeah. Sabo Scrivener, which is a... A Sabo Scrivener can write about food so accurately that people get the sensation of taste when they read about the food. One of the characters in that. She is the food critic for the newspaper, and her yeah her descriptions are so good that people read their reviews in the morning and feel like they've had the meal. The problem is she wrote a bad review once about a, a such a terrible food that she caused a nationwide epidemic of nausea. It's a whole high concept and a lot of fun, this book, and he throws yeah. this stuff in. And a lot of this sort of stuff throwaway gags. It's it's not important to the plot, it's just something. But I think that the introduction of this power works really well, because Tony can't eat anything, and then suddenly he meets this food writer who can describe... So he can have food yeah. without the He Basically, he can, he can read her reviews, and it's like he's actually eating the food without him having all the horrible flashbacks. Um, we have a Sibo Locuta is able to communicate through food and can also translate written works like plays, poems and operas into their food. And there is also a Vorisov. A Vorisov becomes smarter the more he eats. So normal intelligence, but as he's eating, they um, become super smart. Yeah, and, and because of that, he becomes like this enormous blob of a person because he's eating so much that he's just putting on so much weight because he wants to get more intelligent. It just keeps introducing more and more characters with more food-based yeah. abilities, which is, um, yeah, it's just a crazy concept. It's not been done before that I know of. And essentially, it is a cop-buddy show. Yeah, because Tony Tony and his partner... Which is a cyborg. Or he's cybernetic. I think he's got, he's, cybernetic, yes. he's got like... A, you know, chip in his brain and a metal face. Yes. So yeah. it's not your normal. No, it's book. not your it's normal. Exactly. It's not a buddy cop story. It's not a. Yeah. There's, well, there's, it is a buddy cop well, story. Well, it is a buddy cop story, and, and there's more to it, I guess. Mm. And there's your typical Tony not getting along with his boss, and there's. Yeah, the stereotypical uh, yelling police chief exactly. who doesn't like him. You know, you're a loose cannon and all this sort of and, shit. And you've got Tony's relationship with the critic. Mints. Another food-based pun. Yeah, and and then as you get further into the series, you've got Tony's relationship with his brother, who's a chef. Who likes to cook chicken. Yeah, chow chew. Yeah. And you then find out there's more to Tony's family later on in the series too, but I guess we probably... I mean, yeah, that, you, you can find that yourself, because yeah. it's definitely worth checking out. His original partner, when he first becomes a member of the FDA, because they find out about his ability, is actually another Cebomorph. But we don't know that at the start, though, do we? You find out. Yeah. Early enough. It's no big yeah. Yeah, it's it's yeah. not too much of a spoiler. Yeah, and he's been doing it for a lot longer and has no qualms. Where Tony has a few qualms about noshing down on a um, decomposing corpse. Yeah, because Savoy, think... which is the his partner, has no issue with that. And I think Tony, yeah, Tony really doesn't understand his power at the start. And the more he gets into being an FDA agent rather than just a, a beat cop, you realise that he's forced to eat things that he doesn't want to. Like he's forced to eat, you know, decomposing flesh and stuff like that. Which I guess would be quite an issue for most people. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Yeah, I don't know what it was that first drew me to, to the comic, but I, <coughs> I originally read it in issues when it first came out, 
and then I sort of fell off for a little while, and then I've caught back up on trades. I mean, it's it's all good. Like from there's no fall away in quality. It's all just top line. It's funny. It's quirky. It's different. You don't know what to expect. Yeah, and it keeps going off in weird tangents. You know, you don't know. It could. It's a book that could do anything because they've set up the universe where it could. So there could be aliens. There could be. Well, you know. Yeah, well, there, there is alien plants and there's genetically enhanced frogs with chicken DNA to try and get over the fact that they can't sell poultry anymore. There's a mask chicken cockfighter that the American government steal and use for some covert missions. You know, it's pretty crazy. It's very crazy. And I guess one of the other crazy concepts is the fact that they released an issue that kind of fast-forwarded a few issues further than it should have. Like, they went from... Well, something like they did, like, issue 18... And then they did issue 27, and then 19 came out, so it's going to build up to 27. Yeah. So oh, it's it's sort of, that has been done before, in yeah. those sort of things. But yeah, it's, it's, a, it's one of those books that does things like that. They keep challenging themselves to, what can we do next? Because they could rest on their laurels. You couldn't do it for too long. The type of book would fall stale very quickly if they didn't keep challenging themselves this way. Yeah. I think it's got a lot of life in it left but I don't see it being a 200-issue no. book or anything. It's it's probably got 50, 60 in it. And I, I think, think so. I think they're probably going to struggle after that. Like um, Dark Horse brought out a book a couple of months ago called Axe Cop, based on a webcomic that this guy is in his 20s and he's a comic artist, and he used to draw comics for his little brother, who was six, and his brother would come up with these plots, and he came up with one called Axe Cop. It was a cop who carried an axe, and it's pretty simple. It's a six-year-old who came up with these ideas. It was all fun and crazy, and then he had a partner who's a turnip or something stupid like that. It, it just, whatever he said, he would draw. And it yep. was kind of cool, and he did as a webcomic. It was like one or two panels a day and you know, a week. And it was easy, and then they end up doing a full narrative comic that Dark Horse brought out. That's got a limited lifespan. Exactly. Because that kid is going to be aware, eventually, yeah. that what he's doing. At the moment, it's still innocent, and he's going to come up with crazy ideas. As soon as he's aware that people want crazy ideas, he's going to be too deliberate. Yep. And it will lose that spark that what it is. And I think, yeah, I think, Chew, hopefully the writers are good enough. If they can last 100 issues and it maintains this quality, I'm wrapped. Because I'll be buying this book until it finishes. But, yeah, I don't know if they can keep up this sort of idea-breaking yeah. for two, for how long. I don't know. Well, it's, it's been well-received. It, it's sold very well in the first one. Plenty of awards. Said. It's, it's, won, it's won Eisner's at one... Best new story, Eisner? Best new series and best ongoing series. So it's yeah. got Eisner's and Harvey Awards, yeah. Yeah, so it's well-received, it's critically acclaimed. So basically, I think what we're saying is, yeah, make the effort, go and read and it. And get into it now, because there there's a lot of talk now. There's a lot of talk about movies being made or TV shows being made on comic properties. There's always talk. I mean, Powers just got axed, or not axed, they made a pilot for Brian Michael Bendis's Powers show, they got the pilot, didn't get picked up. Well, Lock, the pilot for Lock and Key as well. Lock and Key was meant to be a brilliant pilot for yeah. those who have seen it, but yeah, again, didn't get picked up. So, Whitney gets picked up, but these shows don't get picked up. <laughs> so because of that, there's talk that you, like HBO were talking about it, and someone else is talking about it, so who knows if it gets picked up. So if it does, you might want to get in now before... Yeah. Before Get on to the ground floor, I guess. And, yeah, so it's AMC who do Walking Dead, I think, are the same company that want to make Chew into a show. So if they give it enough... I mean, it's a it's a harder sell. Like, a zombie show is an easy sell, in a way, because yeah. people like zombie movies. Chew, I mean, you could just say it's a cop show with a twist. You know, well, that's twist well, piece, you know? Yeah. It, it could work, but, yeah. The concept is what makes it a bit weird, but I think people are ready for it. And the amount of shows that are out, Dexter and things like that, that are out there now, no reason it wouldn't be a success. So as long as it's got strong writing and strong acting, 
then I think it would be a great show. But unfortunately, a lot of those quirky shows get either are very good and they don't last very long. Or, or they're just too quirky. Mm. And they're, they're too much of a niche market, I guess. And they don't pick up advertising dollars and they don't, they don't keep going. Yeah, so I mean, that's the beauty. If it is AMC, they yeah, don't exactly. have to have such a big audience. Like I think it's IFC do Portlandia. And I've got to eat a bit of crow because in the last episode I said Portlandia was a bit eh. First episode <laughs> of season two, season three, two, uh, episode two and three. Fantastic, Fantastic, back to to good. So I'm very happy there. Yeah, so that's a show that obviously has a very limited market. They know their audience is small, yet they can produce it. It's probably a lot cheaper than something like Chew would be. Yeah, because special effects, obviously, you'd have to go through a lot if they wanted to keep it accurate accurate to the comic. Yeah, so maybe they can do it and figure it out. And if they know their audience and they only tailor it to a niche audience and they can afford it, hopefully we'll see a good show. Yeah, I guess if you want to find out some more information about... uh, the Chew Comic Thirty have a website which is chewcomic.com. Go and check it out. We That was Chew, and the next book we're going to cover is Day Trip. Um, Joe's got a description there, and big spoiler warning now: this book has a not a trick to it. It's got a, a, a thing about it, and, and we're going to spoil it here. It's not ruining the book at all by telling you this. I knew it before I went in reading it, and I enjoyed the pants off it. You wouldn't, you would have guessed it by issue two anyway, so we're going to read the Amazon description here, and it's going to give it away as well. But um, just letting you know, we're not ruining for you. Don't get angry. It's, it's not a kicker to ruin the story. Okay, so basically, Amazon says about Day Tripper, the acclaimed Day Tripper follows Brasty Olivia's Dominguez, easy for you to say, during different periods in his life, each with the same ending, his death. There's the spoiler. Every chapter features an important period in Braz's life in exotic Brazil, which is where the writer and the artist, twin brothers, Gabriel and Fabio, come from. And each story ends the same way, with his death. And then, the story starts up with a different point in his life, oblivious to his death in the previous issue, and then also ends with him dying again. In every chapter, Braz dies at different moments in his life as the story follows him through his entire existence, one filled with possibilities of happiness and sorrow, good and bad, love and loneliness. Each issue rediscovers the many varieties of daily life in a story about living life to its fullest, because any of us can die at any moment. And that is a pretty good explanation of what it is. Yeah, if you can't take anything away from this podcast, take that. Just just, just ponder on that for a while. Just pause the iPod or whatever you're listening to us and just just think about that. No, I'm being silly now. All right, so technically about this this story, it's a 10-issue... It was a 10-issue... Mini-series. It's been collected into a trade. Written by Fabio Moon, drawn by Gabriel Barr, or is it the other way around? Gabriel Barr is the author and Fabio Moon is the artist. They are both artists in their own right. They've both done a lot of really good comic book work themselves as artists. Yeah. And this is, they've worked, they are brothers, even though they've got different names. They're twin twin brothers brothers from Brazil and they are amazing. Like, I mean, their artwork is amazing. And the fact that they've pulled this book out of their, not out of their arse, they're obviously very talented, is is just, it it is a very, not an important book, I'm not going to say it's important, it's it's not life-changing, but it could be. It's very moving, like. Very moving. Yeah. And I suppose, I mean, that's the beauty of a lot of, when I say foreign, non-American people creating comics. And that's always the way. The English came in and did a boom in the 80s. And they got a, all, a lot of creators with Alan Moore and Grant Morrison and Neil Gaiman and all that sort of stuff. So they got a different nihilistic look at the superhero tropes by bringing in these different writers and stuff like that. And a lot of artists they're getting in. They're getting a lot of South American artists now. Yeah. And obviously there's a lot of people who ape other sort of art styles. And they can get work and they can get a good 
career out of it, but these guys are more than that. They're yeah. doing their own style and they are created. They are their own beast. Yeah, I guess it, it comes across very Brazilian. Not, I'm saying that it, so the it's art sparse? style. Well, the art style is Brazilian. <laughs> Brazil's not sparse. Brazil's one of the heaviestly populated places. Oh, in you said Brazilian. Oh, okay. Sorry. <laughs> yes. Bereft of hair. Yes, it is very hairless. It's not that sort of Brazilian. It has the feel, I guess, of living in a bustling, almost slum metropolis in some issues. My comic tastes, I guess, I'm not a superhero fan, but I really enjoyed The Umbrella Academy, which Gabriel Barr was the artist on. And after hearing reviews of this comic on, on podcasts like iFanboy and, and people like that talking about how much of a, an effect that Day Tripper had on them, it made me really want to pick this up and have a read. Like, the art style, similar to what we said about Chew, the art style is quite minimalistic, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it's... It's... it's again, it's expression, it's more conveying and the idea it's not cartoony yeah it's it's quite more mooted in tones and colors it's just not stark harsh lines like you expect with the typical superhero books yeah it's it's almost painterly in a lot of ways yeah yes it is and i think the fact that the twin brothers have obviously been together the whole life and you can see that their writing and art style just fits so well they, together. They just get it. Yeah. It's like the Cohen brothers. You know, exactly. You see any interviews with them and they, no one knows what's going on except them. Yeah, I, I can't really it. imagine that they've been sitting down and, you know, one of them's drawn a panel and the other one's went, no, that's not what I meant, sort of thing. It's, you can oh, see probably, They probably do. Well, they probably do. But, yeah, it just, it just flows. And reading the first issue, it, it starts off, Browse is working in a newspaper writing obituaries. He's frustrated. Yeah, he's, he's frustrated. He's a writer who's writing obituaries. He'd rather be writing. He'd, yeah, he'd rather be writing fiction, but he's stuck in writing for Pretty a job money. that's paying the bills. And his dad's quite a good novelist. He's successful. He's won awards. Yeah, he's renowned. And he's basically living in his dad's shadow. And while he's at it, he's in this dead-end job, no pun intended, writing as a way to make ends meet. Each issue covers... I guess it's kind of like an alternative reality. Yeah, um, each issue, there's ten issues, and they all cover a day in his life, and they all end with him dying on that day. Yeah. So it's not a weird science fiction story where he gets regenerated or anything like that. It just happens to be, this is his life at that moment, and he he dies at the end of that day. Yeah. And the next story picks up, he's at a different age, he could be a kid, he could be an old man, he could be middle-aged, and it's just like, this is him now, and this is what his life is and where he's at. And, again, he dies at the end. So you sort of have a morbid bit of watching it, um, or reading it, when you're sort of going, how's he going to die this time? So you sort of know that, like, once you figure it out by issue two that this is the, the hook to the book, yeah. you sort of get that morbidness of going, oh, how's he going to die this yeah, time? Yeah, you kind of feel that you want to skip to the end just to see how he's going to die rather than building up. But the journey is so good. Because you get into it, you know he's going to die at the end, which is sort of, you get this foreboding pain sometimes, because you watch some issues, you, you read Recently, some issues, yeah. and he's in a good place. Things are going well for him, and it's like, oh no, no, and he's happy, and this, and he's going to die, and you feel bad, but you're sort of happy that next issue he's going to be alive again. But yeah. it may be a shit time, exactly. a shit part in his life. and Yeah, it's it's an interesting storytelling device. Like, you could, it could have been anyone. They could have just done this as ten issues, Ten different people. Yeah, ten different people. It could have been that, but at least by establishing him over those ten issues and aspects of his life, they still impacted on the further issues. So you know that he's 
frustrated at this, or he does like this, or he wanted to meet this girl but didn't happen, or something like that. Yeah. And then, oh, he did marry that girl eventually, if yeah, he didn't well, die in that. So it all does come together, and it does add to the story by reading it later. It could be read almost in any order, either. Like, it's not important. It, it is written very deliberately, so it does build up, and there is an emotional kicker at the end, so it does build up nicely. But you could almost read it in any order. You could, but I think the fact that there's little teasers, I guess, all along about him living in his dad's shadow, he wanting to be more successful than what he is it's he's watching kind of his relationship with his wife falling apart over the birth of their child and he kind of feels that he's going to be a, a bad father like his father was to him sort of thing and there's there's ongoing themes i guess with that and then that all comes to a head in the in the last issue where he goes back to i think it's not his childhood home but it's like the the home and they go and yeah, that's the home holidays. where they, they spent their holidays when he was a child, and, and it all basically comes flooding back to him in that last issue. And that asked, that last issue was actually quite confronting, I guess. Like, I don't know if it had the same effect on a lot of people, but, you know, I've I've had a loved one die, and it kind of all comes back to you while you're reading these, these comics. It is confronting in some issues, and you, the way he dies is very different in all of the issues. And another thing that they do well to tie it all together is the fact that he's got the ongoing theme of... of Braz himself being an obituary writer and the last panel in nearly all of the, the issues is, is his obituary and it, it basically you know it's like Braz was a successful, successful writer and he died unexpectedly at 28 sort of thing and then the next issue he'll be in his 40s and he'll die I mean yes the whole losing loved ones is an aspect of it but also it makes you look at yourself and missed opportunities or regrets or what? that real seize the day it's all, yeah. it's almost it's just telling you to like take every opportunity. It's not preaching or anything, but it just sort of makes you think in a lot of ways. It's quite uplifting in some ways. It's full of sorrow in others. It, it's it's an emotional roller coaster. It really is. Like it is, reading yeah. it as a monthly book, which how it came out originally, it would have been interesting. Like you would have had a month to dissect each issue, and you would have gone back maybe and looked at it, and you probably it would have been a very different experience. I read it as a trade, so therefore it was. I've got to read the next one. And they're easy reads, and you're sort of like, It was to a point. Like, I know I read it as as the trade as well, and I got to a point where I'd read, like, four or five in a row. And then just the the emotional burden of it, I guess, made me think to myself, I've got to stop this and go and do something else. I can't read it all. It's just having too much of an effect. Issue three, I guess, is one of the ones that really stands out to me as as a highlight of the series, because it just, it's... It takes you on a journey. Yeah, it takes you on a journey, and you really feel for him at the end, and it's like, yeah, it's like, you're happy for him, and then the big clincher is, same as every other issue, is he dies at the end, and it, and when it happens, you're like... And you know the trick, you know yeah, it's, it's coming, like, and it's like, oh, you oh, bastards! <laughs> Yeah. yeah, and and you kind of feel you, you feel happy for him, and then it's like you know what's going to happen, and it's like don't do it, don't do it, don't do it, and then it does it, and it's kind of like you can go straight into the next issue, and it's again another chapter of his life, and something I didn't pick up initially when I read it is each chapter is given a number, but that actually relates to his age at the time of that story, rather than being chronological chapter one, two, three, four, five, six, yep. seven, nine, ten, twenty-eight or yeah. seventy-four, yeah, or whatever. which is good. And the other thing that I really liked about it as well is even though Braz is the main character, there's still ongoing other characters in it, like his best friend Jorge, that he went to university with, and there's issues where they're younger and they're like, you know, on their spring break they kind of thing. Friends. And they're, yeah, they're, they're friends when they're young, and then there's other issues later on where. They're not friends anymore. Well, they're They've not had friends. An, you don't know what happened, but they're not friends anymore. And yeah. you're sort of like, oh, there's. So there's more questions than there is anything, but it's, you're so engrossed in these characters by this point. 
I was sort of like, oh, there's so much story here. How did this happen? Where did it get from here to here? And yeah, it's it's just, I can't rave about this book enough. Like, I mean, yes, I am a comic superhero fanboy. I'll, I will read my capes to the heart's content, but it's not something I can give to people. Basically, it's soap opera with capes. And there's not that many jumping on points. It's like, you can't just go, here, read this one book. And yeah. I can't give it to other people who don't understand comics. Shoe is something I can give people who I, who I think will understand it, who who will think it's cool, and they'll get it. Yeah. But Day Trip is definitely something I can give to people. Like, if, who aren't comic readers who don't get it, I reckon it's a book that I can really... It's like, oh, no, 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 comics aren't what you think. This is something you should read. Yeah. Like, Chew, I guess, is quirky, whereas Day Tripper, it has a pretty big quirk, but there's no way you'd call this a quirky book. No, 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 not it's, at all. Yeah, it's, it's very... I mean, it's not literature, but it's close. It's, yeah, it's very close. It, <laughs> yeah. Like, as much as I hate to say it, it's artistic. And it just has a I mean, really... it's, it's one of the... I mean, there's a lot of comics now, especially superhero stuff as well. It's widescreen, big-ass, Michael Bay action sort of stuff. Yeah. It, it's just on the page what comic budget, the movie budgets can't do on the screen. Yeah. It's big balls to the wall action and shit like that. It's cool for what it is, but movies are getting so close to comics now that you can actually do it. Before, yeah. when special effects weren't that good, you couldn't do what you could do in comics. Nowadays, you can. But there's some things that are you that comics do well that only can be done in comics. There's issues where they're written across the top of the panels and down the page, and you can read them a certain ways. Yeah. There's very few comics that are very particular that can only be done in comics. This is sort of one. You could do it as a TV show. I don't know. I guess if you did do it as a TV show, it'd have. I don't know. It'd come across like Quantum Leap in a way. But it's. I mean, it's it's a contained story. You could do it as a TV show, but it's just one of those things that's perfect as a comic. You could almost do it as a book, as a novel. But I don't know. The visuals of the comic just set a tone and a mood that I guess good writers can do that too. Yeah. But it just yeah, it just know. seems it's... a perfect melding of brothers using their talents and just creating a great story. And again, this is this is quite critically acclaimed. It, it sold really well. Like it's won Eisner's, it's won Harvey's, and so it should. It's, it's damn good. And it's original. As far as I, I mean, that's the thing. Maybe this has been done to death. I don't know. I've, I've not come across it before, and I've not heard anyone else mention anything similar. So I dare say it's original. It's important. I think for comics and it will be I think in 10 years time it's still going to be good like there's there's nothing dating this book to any time frame so it's something that could be read in 10 years time I don't think it'll date some of the classics from the 80s like Dark Knight Returns and Watchmen they are kind of dated now I think it's important and it will be important for a, a few years yet yeah. At least. Yeah, we, we recommend it. it. You can buy it now on Amazon. It's available quite readily in trade paperback. It's nice. Ten issues. As I said, you can read it all in one hit if you wanted to. But it's it, heavy it is, Yeah, it, it is a bit of a... Um, it's a slog. It can be a slog, depending on what emotional state you're in. Yeah. If you're coming up to your 40th birthday or something, you might want to just <laughs> give it a rest. I don't know. Yeah. If you're confronting getting older. And I guess that's that's something too to think about. It's like Gabrielle and Fabio are mid thirties, late thirties. I think mid. Yeah, yeah I, don't, I don't think they're very old. I think. And yet they've shown a real maturity in their writing here that as I keep going back to it, but the art style of this is phenomenal. And um also credit to Dave Stewart who did the colours who um it, it's equally sets the tone. Like it's got this it's definitely a feel. It's got that um you know when you're on holidays, your memories of holidays, the colours are different and yeah. all this you got this font. It's got that dreamlike colours yeah. of, it's, it's yeah, it's just a Evocative. And I guess Dave Stewart needs to do something now that the rhythmics are broken up. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know he went on to Kind. Because there is only one Dave Stewart in the world. Well, it's not a real popular name, is it? <laughs> but yes. 
jokes aside, find this comic, go to your local comic store, pick up the trade. Well, there's so many avenues for comics now. There's a comic store, like I'm just looking at Amazon now, it's available for the Kindle, if you've got a Kindle, it's nine ninety nine US, which is a pittance, that's nothing. Yeah, I think the trade itself in Australia is around the $24 mark, it's, it's, not, it's definitely worth the money. I mean, I've, I own it, and if they bring out a deluxe hardcover edition, I'll probably buy it again, and give the other one away. Yeah, it, it's, it's check it out, Vertigo has its own app through the DC yeah. Comics, so you can buy it straight from the source. And, you know, uh, it's a weird one. It's like, support it. It's already doing well, so we don't need more. So it's not like I'm saying buy this so we get more in the future. Yeah. But we want more books like this. Yeah, exactly. So hopefully, because it's done by Vertigo, which is an imprint of DC, the fact that they supported this book and got it out, they might go looking for more books like this. I don't want exactly the same books. I just want quality of this. Quality of this, yeah. yeah. Oh, exactly. So, bottom line, read Day Tripper. Yes, it's, it's more self-contained than choo- choose and ongoing, and it's fun, and it's great, and it's interesting. Day Tripper, that's just awesome. Hope we've sold you on it. brings us to the end of episode three hopefully we've given you a bit of an insight into two of the comics that we really enjoy and yeah tell us what you think don't like it based on our description buy them any great because they're really good it's just our description didn't sell it well enough exactly yeah so um, obviously you found this podcast somewhere but if you didn't know we are available on itunes so we're the massive attack podcast on itunes search for us subscribe rate us somebody please give us some feedback so we know what we're doing we're also Simon, <laughs> we know you're listening this is one of you there's probably more than one person called Simon listening to this podcast and he's sitting there going are they talking about me yes we are talking about you Simon (laughs) you too Bradley (laughs) not that we know anyone called Bradley but anyway (laughs) spoilers yes you can find us on iTunes you can also find us on our website which is themapodcast.podbean.com we're now on Twitter we're on Twitter as at themapodcast and we've also got a Gmail which is themapodcast at gmail.com so feel free to drop us a line give us some feedback go and read the comics we've just talked about and tell us what we what you if think you of them. do read it yeah please let us know yeah come back to us and say thanks for telling us to read day tripper it was fucking awesome god don't make me do that again <laughs> i want to kill myself no yeah so yeah thanks for listening and i guess that's probably a pretty good point to wrap this up we'll uh, uh, next Attacking comics. <laughs> yeah, take that comics. <laughs> <laughs>